Welcome to another episode of the Music City Drive-In, brought to you by the Drive-In Podcast Network. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down and talking to the writer of the upcoming Netflix film, The Starling, Mr. Matt Harris. Matt and I talked about his inspiration behind the film, what it was like to see Melissa McCarthy bring his character to life, and so much more. I hope you check out The Starling on Netflix September 24th, and enjoy this interview. We're talking to the writer of the upcoming Netflix film, The Starling. Mr. Matt Morris, how are you today, sir? Good, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Just got done watching the film a few minutes ago, but before we get into the film, I got a few questions here for you. What was your first job within the TV movie industry? Oh boy. My first job was as a production assistant on a PBS documentary series called Future Quest, hosted by Jeff Goldblum, believe it or not. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he was pretty wild. I mean, he's an interesting guy. What made you want to become a screenwriter? You know, I think it was just a strong desire to move people like I got moved by films. I really wanted to do that. You know, it's like just simple invitation. I just wanted to do what they did. You know, I wanted to make people feel that same way. Love film, love the way it made me feel. Wanted to be able to make people feel the same thing I do and create those stories that do it. What are some of the early screenwriters that you kind of looked at whenever you started to begin to pursue that chase? Yeah, you know, uh, I would say Robert Bolt, you know, who wrote some real classics like Lawrence of Arabia. He wrote The Mission. I think it was like partly because he had written both of those, you know, such a disparity. Um, it's amazing, you know, because the mission is very different. Um, and uh, I saw I was pretty amazed by his skill, uh, Lawrence Caston. And, you know, as I remember young, being young and watching uh, The Empire Strikes Back, which was at the time to me so far. I mean, I love Star Wars, but it was such a great follow up. And it's like, I remember the name Lawrence Kasdan wrote that. And uh, of course, then he went on to write um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, and I just was pretty struck by his ability. And um, yeah, so those are some of the names, you know, Scott Frank is another one. He was just at the Emmy Awards last night, you know, his work, films like Get Shorty. I have a great deal of respect. The starling follows after Lily suffers a loss. The combative starling takes nest besides her quiet home. The feisty bird taunts and attacks the grief-stricken Lily. On her journey to expel the starling, she rediscovers her will to live and capacity for love. What inspired you to write this story? You know, I think I was really more interested in um, the aftermath of a tragedy, you know? not necessarily trying to write an inspirational story, but one more that was about how do we get through things? How do we try to get past things? Uh, I don't like to say, how do we get over things? Because that suggests like, okay, I'm over it. I'm, I've moved on, you know? We get over relationships, breakups, maybe if we're lucky, right? Um, most of the time we move past things that are really hard and so I just wanted to explore that. That was sort of the basis for understanding how do we get past things that seem very unfair, very random, um, 
I think uh, the universe is pretty unforgiving. It's pretty chaotic at times. I know we try to make sense of it. We try to rationalize why things happen, why bad things happen to good people. And I don't think it's always so easy to apprehend why that is. And so, yeah, mine wasn't like trying to point anybody necessarily in the direction, but more or less exploring how these two people found a way past it. One of the things that I thought was really unique was your ability to kind of write these two characters who are married, you know what I mean? They're a couple, but they handled the, the tragedy in two different ways. How important was it for you to highlight that coming across the pages? Yeah, I think it was, it was really important to me because I really wanted it to feel like they weren't on the same page at all. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it doesn't mean that one was necessarily in a healthier place than the other. You know, I think what happened with him was far more uh, frightening. You know, what she was dealing with and what she was going through, pressures of work and home and her life sort of falling apart, you know, equally as troubling probably. Um, but, I, you know, it was kind of, I guess I, you know, I did a lot of research, if you will call it research, you know, into these types of tragedies, you know, and talking to people who've gotten beyond these sort of tragedies and how they got there. It's uh, kind of like a, I, I entered the jungle on one side and I came out the other. Don't ask me to go back and show you that path because it's, it's fraught with dangers and disasters and it's really uh, difficult. There's not a roadmap for it. And so I think they each find their way, you know, back to each other. And that's the only way I think if there's a, boy, I hate to say this, if there's a message here, I feel like the message is that, you know, they lost their child. Yes. Are they going to lose their marriage? That becomes a question central to the story. You know, I think she's not only mourning the loss of her child, which she is, and I think they're always going to be mourning the loss of their child. But are they, the question is, are they going to mourn the loss of their marriage? And so that's what we're hopefully rooting for at the end. Where did the ideal uh, of coming and bringing in the Starling come to fruition? You know, I needed some way to, I felt like one of her, her chief antagonists, if you will, was this world that is kind of indifferent to what she's going through. Uh, at least I wanted to express it somehow, you know, rather than just have a bunch of people talk about it. And so that was a way for me to, to sort of visually express it and then bring out whatever discussions it, you know, stem from it. Um, and so that's why, you know, Kevin Klein kind of expresses it at the, near the end when he's talking to Jack about, you know, it can feel very personal, you know, and when it's not, but that's, that's what the having it as sort of a symbol allowed me to do. What was it like seeing Melissa McCarthy bring to life this character in Lily. Man, it's incredible. I tell you, you know, you don't, it's like beyond your wildest dreams when you actually see and hear that real actors want to be in your film that you wrote, you know, and the real director wants to make it. Um, it's, it's very humbling, you know, that's all I can see. You know, it's just, you know, it's, you feel privileged, that's for sure, because, you want 
whatever you wrote to be good, right? And you realize for it to be good, it has to be more than just what it is on the page, right? It's a, such a collaborative process. We always say that, but when it's something you created, then you see other people working on it, you realize, oh boy, you know, right down to the set designer, if they don't get this right, this thing could look terrible and then not feel right. And so I was really uh, grateful that her considerable talents were brought to bear. Well, what's one of the things that kind of surprised you about working with her? You know, I think with all three of the main characters, I was surprised at, you know, uh, how good they were at uh, improv, you know, and like, <clears throat> they would take the scene and they would shoot it a couple times and then they could kind of just be the characters and say the lines, but in their own way, you know, in a different voice at times. And I was, you know, pleasantly surprised by some of the little gems that came out of there, you know, like when she's talking to the exterminator, you know, when he's talking about 400 billion birds, and she's like, I don't know, that seems really high, you know. She's in that high, you know, like she's both questioning him and at the same time she's terrified of this idea that there's 400 billion birds. And uh, in truth, you know, it was, I think the figure I looked up, it was, it was between 50 and 400. They don't know. There's no way to count, you know. So who's doing bird census, right? Um, but that was just so well done. That was really good. And that's one of the things that I thought that I, I really enjoyed because you you have a very raw story to begin with, a very personal one and a very uh, sad one, in, in, as you can say. But you also bring a lot of it to life in some aspects of comedy. So take me behind the balance there for you between yeah. trying to figure out when you want people to laugh and when you want people to be sad. Yeah. You know, I think it has to feel real right they have to kind of go together um and so that doesn't feel jarring to go from one to the other and so to do that I, I tried to make sure that the comedy at least for me was coming out of something natural consequential to the story and true to the characters I didn't want it to feel alien or as a diversion you know it had to be something that so yeah I just tried to look at everyday life is being a bit absurd at times, you know, and a bit ridiculous and try to take advantage of that truth, you know, with my characters, um, you know, like, for example, you know, the Dicky character, young guy, so, you know, a little clueless, maybe, you know, trying to talk to a bird, like it's in a coma, you know, it's funny. You know, I mean, but it, <laughs> exactly that moment to me, just uh, she just brought it back to me. Like I said, I watched this morning, so it kind of brought it back to me. It was very, it was a well placed laugh, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, and you know, and I felt like it was something that was something he would say, you know, something he would do, right? <laughs> and, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, because I mean, it could get a little bit heavy and maybe it not so believable to be doing a death watch for this bird right you know sitting shiva on this bird right now so yeah you want to be careful about that stuff i think you know for me it's as much you're talking about the balance between um comedy and you know drama it's also you know be careful of the melodrama be careful of 
the sort of pitfalls of a story like this. You know, you have to be very careful of over sentimentalizing things. And, uh, you know, those are, those are the pitfalls typically in a story like this. What was it like seeing this film for the first time? Oh man, talk about nerve wracking. You know, Netflix sent me a link, right? To watch it, you know? Cause Melfi had delivered it already. And so they sent me a link and I couldn't even watch it. Uh, I, I had my wife watch it. I was like, tell me if it's good, I can't bear it. You know, cause I was out there for a lot of the shoot days and um, you know, I was like, man, some of the stuff feels really great everybody's very complimentary but you just never know you know so when i sat down and watched it for the first time uh i i enjoyed it i was struck by what made it and what didn't make it there were some other storylines that they had to to cut simply before time you know time is critical uh it was only 112 i think page script that ended up you know coming out to like two hours and 42 minutes so they had to really make some heavy cuts, especially with characters that I really like, like Timothy Oliphant, you know, they cut a lot of him out, but, you know, I understood why, and that refocus the story more on the couple. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the first time it was, boy, I'll tell you, it's kind of like when you're seeing your lines that you wrote come out of somebody's mouth on a film set, you know, it's scary. You're like, oh shit, you know, <laughs> you're like, this is real. They don't know that I'm not real. What are they doing? I don't know what I'm doing. Why are you making this film? Why are you putting millions of dollars into this? Does nobody know I don't have a fucking clue what I'm talking about? Okay, so that's what you'd feel like. That's what you kind of, then you try to pump yourself back up and then of course they'll let you down again. <laughs> that's fantastic. It, that's, and that's raw. That's, that's, that's raw. It's, it's great to hear it kind of go like that. And that kind of falls with, what was it, what's the, what's it like receiving the news that your script was purchased? You know what I mean? How does that feel? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because there have been, this script has had a life, you know, it's like a cat's had nine lives. It seemed like it was, you know, going to get made a few times and then it fell apart, you know, for whatever reasons. I mean, it doesn't take much, trust me. All it takes is one actor to get offered something else or a director and it goes away. And that's just, you know, it teaches you to like remain calm. It kind of teaches you about this business, so to speak, you know, where you're just like, okay, man, you know, don't get your hopes up. And I remember telling somebody, okay, this friend of mine, Henry, he, New Line Cinema was interested in his film. And I'm like, Henry, take it from me. You don't want to get your hopes up. Okay. And then the next day they paid him like $350,000 for a screenplay. I was like, God damn. I, you know, I probably just sound like this jaded, I just wanted to protect him. But so, you know, you go through and you, uh, you learn to deal with the fact that it's a very difficult thing to get a film made. But uh, once this thing had the momentum and it had actors attached and it had the financing, they wanted to secure it as fast as possible from me, you know. And so they were, they were more than happy to pay me for the script right away because they didn't have the rights to it i could have like gone hey now it's my turn to go off and go in a different direction but not that i ever would have but anyway it was uh yeah it was unbelievable it was unbelievable yeah life-changing for sure for sure 
Um, uh, before we go here, do you have any upcoming projects that you can tell us about? Well, I another film I wrote called, it was originally called Moon of Popping Trees. It's a Western. Uh, they just finished shooting it. It's called Dead for a Dollar, directed by Walter Hill with Christoph Waltz and Willem Dafoe and Rachel Brosnahan, you know, the marvelous Miss Maisel is in it. So I'm excited to see that. I think it'll be coming out next year, next spring. So it's a Western, we don't get to see a lot of those, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what it, what happens. They shot it awesome. in New Mexico. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Like, you know, it, 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 yeah, for sure. I'm excited for you. Um, I enjoyed the film. I thought it was fantastic. So I just wanted to thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. Thanks for watching.